We have been looking at a series entitled Created for Worship, and the reason, and I share it with you every week because it's important for us to remember, what we do here on Sunday morning has a tendency to be underestimated in its value and importance in the life of a believer. Um, we tend to underestimate the, what we do on a Sunday morning, whether it really has any value or significance in our life. That Don't we ultimately come and we kind of go through the motions and do our thing and we go out and leave, but without taking a moment to pause and recognize, does this really matter? Does it make a difference? Gathering on Sunday, getting here was even a challenge for some of you. And there's times where you sit back and you go, was it even worth it? And my prayer is that as we go through this week after week, we, God, develops a, a passion and a hunger within each one of us for worship, particularly worshiping together, that we begin to see the importance that God develops such a culture of worship here at Coral Ridge that, as I say every week, that we can't imagine going a Sunday without it. So we're going to be looking at... Numbers chapter 6, Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. Numbers chapter 6, 22 through 27. Uh, This is the passage that we end every service with. This is known as the benediction. And we're going to talk about why this benediction, and this one in particular, is so important for us to understand what is being proclaimed and announced over us every single week. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. And I will bless them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. Every worship service in the tabernacle would end with these words. It would end with this benediction. It would end with this word of blessing. This word of blessing comes from Moses to his to his brother Aaron. It's known as Aaron's benediction. And the word benediction simply means, it's that thing that we do at the end of every service, printed in your bulletin. A benediction simply means, literally means, a good word. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that is pronounced upon the people of God. And the reason we do it at the end of the service is to remind all of us that the good word that you heard sung and preached in the worship service, the good word that rescued you and made you come alive is the same good word that will sustain you throughout the week. That we're leaving you with this good word, sending you with this good word. Hence the words, not only will God bless you, but he will keep you at the same time. See, the... In the Jewish tabernacle, every service would end with this benediction, with this good word. As after the prayers were said and the sacrifice was made, the people of God would line up and and the priest would literally put his hands on the people. That's why I raise my hand at the end of the service and some of you even extend your hands because the priest would literally go to every single person and look them directly in the eye and lay hands upon them and say, the Lord bless you. 
and keep you. He would pronounce a blessing upon each single person. It's one of the most inspiring parts of our service to be sent out with the blessing of God. But the reason for us that I think it is so important is because every single one of you, from the time you were born, had this question pressing on your heart. And it is this question that is on the heart of every child. And it is this question, am I loved? Do I matter? Am I important? And it's a question that every child has to deal with at some point in his life. Do I matter? Am I loved? And a child goes through his entire life possibly, and we hear the stories of children going their entire life without hearing those precious words, I love you. Longing to hear a good word from a mother or from a father. Longing to hear a good word of love from a spouse. Longing to hear a good word from a friend or a colleague or whatever it might be. But every single one of us, from the moment we are a child and we never grow out of it, longing for a good word. And the reason that this blessing, this benediction, this good word is so important to us is because you can't get this word anywhere else. It's the good word you long for. It's the good word that I long for. And it's the reason that we come to worship every Sunday, because you need this good word. It's the word that you've been longing for. A benediction is an announcement of God's favor and his delight upon his children, an announcement of favor and blessing. And I want us to think through three questions about the blessing briefly this morning. If this is a blessing that we've heard here spoken in numbers, what is this about this blessing that makes it so significant? Three questions I want us to answer. The first one is this, what is the blessing? When, when, When Moses says to Aaron, tell the people, the Lord bless you and keep you, what actually is the blessing? Well, we have to understand, what does the word bless mean? We hear that word, we read it in the Bible, but could anybody really define the word bless or blessing? Well, the word bless simply means to have the favor or approval of God. To have the favor or of approval of God is to be blessed. When someone is blessed, it is to have favor and approval. So when we hear that God bless you or the Lord bless you, it's saying, tell the people the Lord has favor upon you. That is the blessing for God's favor and approval and delight to be upon you. But in in verse 24, it not only says bless, the Lord bless you, but keep you. That they want us to under... that that the author wants us to understand that not only is God pronouncing his favor and delight upon us and blessing us, but he's also keeping us. He's sustaining us all throughout the week. That's why it comes at the end of the service that the good good, uh, word that was pronounced upon you in this service is going to be the same good word that sustains you and keeps you. The, the, The good news that you belong to God and that God belongs to you that you are his and he is yours forever is the good news that will not only bring you back to life on Sunday morning, but will keep you in that blessing. So the blessing is this idea of the Lord blessing us and keeping us. But when you dig a little further, we begin to see a little more about this blessing. Not only is the blessing the favor and approval of God, but how is it manifested It's manifested in verse 25 by telling us that the Lord make his what? 
face shine upon you. So God blesses us with his favor and approval by, by doing what? Making his face shine upon you. And I think it's important that we see it's not just his faces upon us, his shining face, the face that smiles with delight in his people and in his children. The face of God, the face that we long for. And I ask you this morning, what would it be like to be face to face with God? What would it be like to have his shining face of approval upon you? Recently heard of a boy who played Little League, and he was so successful that the boy made it to the All-Star game. And all throughout the season in Little League, the, the boy's father never attended a game, always came up with excuses, too much work, too busy, never made it to a game. But the boy went to him and said, Dad, this is a once-in-a-chance lifetime. I want you to be there for the All-Star game. And so the father obliged, and the father was there. And before the game, the boy looked up to make sure his father was in the stands and his father was there and when the boy got up to bat the first pitch comes down the plate and he hits a home run and as the boy is running towards first he's saying finally I'm going to get the approval and the and the favor from my father that I've always longed for and he is so proud and as he's rounding second and as he rounds third on his way home he looks up to see his father's reaction and his father's looking down on his cell phone He didn't have the face of his father. To have your father's face, to have the face of your father, is something we all long for. You long for it, and I long for it, and that's what makes this blessing so phenomenal. To have the shining face of God. Now, we've got to pause for a moment and go, why would this have been so peculiar to to Moses? Why would it be so peculiar for Moses to talk about receiving the face of God? Well, you remember when Moses was on the top of Mount Sinai, when he was communicating with God, what did he ask God? Turn your face upon me. I want to see your face. And how did God respond? You will surely die. So you can imagine Moses sitting here going, wait a second, how can anybody have the face of God? At one point, you told me, God, that when you turn your face upon me, I will surely die. Well, at the end of verse 25, and it leads us to our second question, how do we receive the face of God? How do we receive this blessing? Well, the answer is in verse 25. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The second question that we need to answer is how do we receive the blessing? How do we receive the face of God that we are told will kill a person? We receive it through grace. What do I mean by that? The benediction in numbers and the benediction in our worship service comes at what point in the service? At the very end. Well, in the Jewish tabernacle, what had happened previously The animal, the lamb, was slaughtered and sacrificed. And the reason, the benediction, the good news that God would make his face shine upon you, the reason it could come at the end was out of grace. Because the lamb of God was sacrificed for you, you can now receive the favor and approval of God. 
Well, likewise, in our worship service, no, we don't slaughter a lamb of God. Why? Because we celebrate every Sunday that the perfect lamb of God has come to take away the sins of the world. So the perfect lamb of God we celebrate was slaughtered on our behalf once and for all. That's why we're able to pronounce a benediction, that God is able to pronounce a benediction upon us every single Sunday at the end, after we remember and we recall the story of God being slaughtered and sacrificed, but only to be raised up as the perfect lamb of God, then God can shine his face upon us. You see, the way we receive the blessing of God, the favor of God, the face of God is through the grace of God. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. We celebrate Jesus on Sunday mornings, the one who lost the face of God on the cross so that we could forever have the face of God. We celebrate Jesus, the one who lost the face of God, forsaken by God forever, so that we could forever have his face. That idea of not only blessing us, but keeping us. So not only do you have to understand what is the blessing, the face of God, how do we receive the blessing through grace, through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, but lastly, how does this blessing transform us? Does it matter? Does it do anything to us? Yeah, we stick out our hands, you raise up your hand, we get the blessing. Does it do anything to us to change us, to transform us? Well, look at the end of this passage. In verse 27, it says, So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. You see, after the people of God receive the favor of God, they receive the face of God through grace, what happens? God says, I will put my name upon them. Why is this significant? Because all along, they had a name. You see, names to the ancients are very different than how we treat names today. You got Joe and Bob and Rob and Tony and whatever. But names by the ancients meant something. Your name stood for your reputation. It told a story. Your name communicated where you came from, who your parents were, how much or how little you had. That's why we have stories in the Bible when people go through transformation and conversion. What happens? Abram goes to Abraham, Saul goes to Paul, because name means something. So here we read that when the people receive the favor and face of God, when people receive the approval of God, they receive the name of God as well. See, the blessing of God changes us and transforms us. We have a new identity. So the good news is, regardless of where you've been, where you've come from, what you've done in your life, what name you've been born with, what family you've been born into, how much you had hoped had been accomplished in your life, or maybe how much regret you have in your life today. For those that are in Christ, you have the very name of God. It's a total transformation of your entire identity. You bear the name of God. You now have the reputation, not just of your biological father or your biological mother. You not only have the reputation of what you've done or what you hope you would have done in life, you have the reputation of God the Father himself. But not only does the blessing transform us by giving us a new identity, it changes our calling. You see, it gives us a new calling in life. You see, when God puts his name upon us, we then have to recognize that our life does not belong to us anymore. 
That when God puts his name upon us, we have a new calling and a new mission and a new purpose in life. That it's not just about me. It's not just about my desires and what I want to accomplish. We begin have to start, begin asking the questions, what would God have for my life? Are his desires my desires? Are, are the needs of the kingdoms, are they my needs? See, the calling that God places on your life is to represent the Father, to be ambassadors and agents of the kingdom. We become the blessing to others. See, God blesses us and puts his name upon us so that we might be a blessing to other people. When we leave here today, we do not keep this story hidden to ourselves or kept to ourselves. You don't go to a good restaurant and not tell other people. You don't go to another hotel and a good hotel and not tell other people. When you receive the good word of God's favor and approval on your life, you should be sent out of here in such a way that you can't help by telling every single person you come in contact with. You tell it all. You have been blessed in order order to be a blessing. You see, the name of God put on your life gives you new purpose and calling and meaning. You see, it brings dignity and value to every single person's life, regardless of what you do. You see, what the benediction ultimately does, the reason I love that it comes at the end of the service, and it reminds you is what you did here for an hour stays with you your entire week. What we've talked about and read about and sung about is relevant to every aspect of your life. God sends us out with new purpose and new meaning and new calling as agents and ambassadors of the kingdom of God. What the benediction does is it connects Sunday to Monday and doesn't allow any single one of us when we wake up on Monday to go, what I just learned on Sunday has no relevance to what I am doing Monday through Friday. That means that every single one of us in here is in the ministry not just the pastors on staff. Larry selling real estate, you're in ministry. Chuck in finance, you're in ministry. Joel has a headmaster, you're in ministry. I could go on and on and on. The educator, you're in ministry. The the stay-at-home mom, you're in ministry. The small business owner, you're in ministry. The retiree, you're in ministry. The widow, you're in ministry. Go on and on and on and on. All of us are in ministry because we have been marked by God himself. Everybody's in ministry bearing the name of God because we have been blessed by God. The benediction reminds us that I belong to him and he belongs to me forever. And as I said in the beginning, you can't get this good word anywhere else. Longing for a good word over our life that changes us and transforms us read this story of a girl by the name of Marianne. And Marianne was born hard of hearing in one ear and born with a cleft palate. And she writes this story about growing up. She says, I was born with a cleft palate. And when I started to go to school, my classmates who were constantly teasing me made it clear how I must look to others. A little girl with a mishappened lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth and hollow and somewhat garbled speech. I couldn't even blow up a balloon without holding my nose, and when I bent to drink from a fountain, the water just spilled out. My classmates would ask, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them that I'd fallen as a baby and cut, cut it. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident as a child than I had been born different. By the age of seven, I was convinced that no one outside of my own family could love me. 
just the way I am. But then I entered the second grade. Mrs. Leonardson was her name. And the time came for our annual hearing test given at our school. I was barely able to hear anything out of one ear, and I was not about to reveal yet another problem that would single me out as different. And so I cheated. I had learned to watch other children raise hands when they did during the group testing. The whisper test this week, for instance, required a different kind of deception. Each child would go to the door of the classroom, turn sideways, close one ear with a finger, and the teacher would whisper something from her desk. And then the child would have to repeat. I discovered in kindergarten that nobody checked to see how tightly the untested ear was covered, so I merely pretended to block mine. As usual, I was last, but all through the testing, I wondered what Mrs. Lennerson might say to me. I knew from previous years she tested kids by saying things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? Well, my turn came up. I turned my bad ear to hear her, plugging up the other one solidly with my finger, then gently backing my finger out enough to be able to hear her. I waited, and then she spoke these words that God surely put in her mouth. Mrs. Leonard leaned over and said softly, I wish you were my little girl. Marianne said those seven words changed her life. Words that will change your life. We all long to hear them. Words that will transform you forever. You all long to hear them. And I've got good news this morning. Because there's another good word that tells us this. That for those that believe in Jesus... God gives them the right to be called, what? Children of God. For those that believe in Jesus, listen to this good word. For those that believe in Jesus today, God gives you the right to be called the favored son and daughter of God. Now those are words that will change your life. I want to give you a challenge I challenge you to go out there and find better words than that. You can search, and you can look for them, and you can wait and listen for them, but I promise you, you will never hear good words like this. Words that will satisfy your soul. Words that your heart has been longing for, maybe even been longing for them since you've been a little kid. And I would invite you today... If you do not know this one by the name of Jesus, this one that through his life and his death and his resurrection on your behalf gives you the right today to be the favored son or daughter of God with all of the rights, with all of the privileges of a favored child. You really want a good word? Believe in him. And God will forever speak his word of blessing his word of favor upon you. Receive this Jesus today and that you might have the favor and approval that you've always longed for.